Hello, everyone, and welcome to Note to Scene, a music news podcast covering everything from pop punk to metalcore. I'm Matt Crane. I'm Tyler Sharp. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where every week we discuss and debate all the biggest news stories in the music scene. Find more episodes of this podcast on iTunes, where you should please rate and review us. Email us at notescene at gmail.com. We have a lot to talk about this week. Big news from a day to remember, Sleeping with Sirens, Fallout Boy. But first, we're going to talk about Asking Alexandria, who are back with a new song, album, and most importantly, their original singer, Danny Warsnop. All right, let's go. Before we get started this week, I think it's worth mentioning that Blink-182's Damn It, their breakout single, turned 20 years old. How old does that make you feel, Matt? Um, not that old because, like, that was kind of before my time. Okay, like, that was, okay. You know, like, I, I caught on to Blink with the big, all the small things breakout, you know? Damn It was, like, if I had an older brother, like, that's what my older brother would have been For into. Sure. Was, like, that wasn't my album. Um dude ranch like you know i was an enemy of the state person but damn it was like undeniably like you know that's the song that broke them essentially you yeah know? absolutely that was their first first big momentum that blink ever got definitely i mean kind of the beginning of modern pop punk in a way you know absolutely. it kind of all starts at like bro pop punk it really i it mean it kind of begins there in such a pop it's a pop song you know totally. it really is just a good pop song at its core and uh Man, just look, pour one out for that song, you know, pour one out for the band with Tom, you know, that era's done and that was a great way to kick it off. Absolutely. I guess the only thing you could say came before that was Dookie. Yeah. And then we had so, Blink. Just a little different spirit, you know? Oh, for sure. Less punk. Yeah. Blink was just so much more immature, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just stupid boys Juvenile. making fun music. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's uh, get into listener questions now. We have some questions that came into note2scene at gmail.com. Our first question comes in from listener Scott S. Scott S. says, Yes, you made it over the Atlantic and did from episode two. How come you guys almost ignored Riot Fest? It was an amazing lineup, almost all from our scene. Good enough that I traveled to Chicago for five days for it. Yet you talked about how shitty Warp Tour was. Okay, so first of all, I love these kind of questions because they take me back to the AP days, Tyler, when it was like, <laughs> you didn't cover the thing I like? What the shit? You know, like I love those kind of questions. But to answer Scott's question, you know, it's like there are a couple things. Um, we on this show, we tend to cover news headlines like we tend to react to the mm -hmm. news. Riot Fest didn't really make any major headlines um, this time. Like, there just wasn't much news that came out of it. So, you know, like, if Haley Williams did something crazy on stage, you know, we'd be here talking about it. Or if, like, there was a surprise set from some band, we'd be talking about it. Also, Tyler and I, neither of us went. Um, I started talking to Tyler, and I was like, dude, are we the only two people who didn't go to Riot Fest? Because <laughs> that's how it felt. Literally, everyone, everyone we know went, and... Um, we ended up having a long conversation and like we know riot fest is great like it's the best festival pretty much out there um and i was texting tyler about how bummed i am that like warped is so shitty now you know warp <laughs> just seems like trash compared to riot fest it really is the perfect festival for if you're a fan of rock and punk music there's nowhere better to go but as far as like newsiness goes like warp tour just has that news cycle set up that you can cover on a weekly basis that makes it easy for us to talk about the podcast whereas riot fest is just it's here today and gone tomorrow kind of you know and it's a big deal when it's going on those two days but we agree with you i mean warp tour is shit and uh riot fest is great absolutely i mean like you and i saw this when we were at ap as far as traffic goes you know like a majority of scene kids don't give a shit about Riot Fest because Riot Fest just happens in a vacuum. And if you are fortunate enough to go there, you realize how awesome it is and you want to keep going back. I went three years in a row from uh, 2013 to 2015 and I knocked bands off, you know, my must-see list that I was starting to think I was never going to get to see. Like I saw Brand New in the Pouring Rain in 2013. 
I saw Seosin come back in 2014, and I saw System of a Down in 2015, and they were all just insane. Like, Riot Fest is absolutely my favorite music festival to go to. That um, Seosin comeback was in 2014? Yep. Oh, my God. Yep. What is happening to time? I know, man. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Like, you wrote that op-ed in the summer of 2014. Oh, yeah, when I called them out, yeah, and uh, Anthony Green <laughs> got mad at me and called us out on Twitter. Yeah, I basically, I wrote an op-ed saying it's time to end Circa and bring Seosin back, and uh, Anthony Green got really pissed off and blew us up on Twitter, and I got attacked by all his fans, and then he ended up doing what I said. <laughs> but yeah, and, so you saw that, and I'm sure that was an amazing experience, you know, seeing Green back with Seosin. It was incredible. Like, I never thought I was going to, that was ever going to happen. I was starting to think I was just never going to see Seosin in any capacity. You know, like, I was just too young to go see Cove era. So, to see that, to hear translating the name played in full, plus, like, they played like three new songs and we had no idea what they sounded like, but it just, it was a crazy thing to experience. And you can only get that shit at Riot Fest. I mean, Riot Fest is more like uh, an experience than it is just seeing music between the food and just the general atmosphere. And you see so many different kinds of people, whereas you go to Warp Tour and you just like you go to Warp Tour once and you're just expecting everything the next year. Do you think it's changing, though, like your point about the scene, kids like are people catching on that Riot Fest is actually better? I mean, like now we saw like some of the Warp Tour attendance dates were just so abysmal, like only 5,000 kids showed up to some. And Riot Fest just, you know, it's just they pack it out. Like are scene kids catching on that? Oh, this actually is a pretty decent place to go. It all depends on the lineup. And I still just think unless Riot Fest turns into the Riot Tour, it'll always happen in a vacuum. Like there's only so many people that get to experience Riot Fest every year. And Chicago's like the pinnacle date. I know that they have, you know, three other kind of rotating dates mm-hmm. at this point, but like it it happens on a massive scale, like you said, for two days and then it's gone. Whereas Warp Tour gone. is like a six month, eight month news cycle that we get to constantly right. talk about. And regardless of ticket sales, like internet traffic still happens for Warp Tour because there's so yeah, many people... people who don't buy those tickets who still care about what the lineup is because they want to complain about it. <laughs> right. The, the Riot Fest culture is still new and incubating sort of, whereas that warped culture is just, it's just culturally there and established. And there's a giant group of people that just live warped tour. Riot Fest, like, you know, like it was I was really happy to see all my friends having such a good time, you know, Absolutely. but like warped tour like news happens, you know, like somebody gets in a fight, somebody calls somebody out, somebody gets pushed off a stage, a band does something awesome. Um, Riot Fest, all I saw was like, I guess Nine Inch Nails are pretty good, you know, like, it's like, I was like, you know, I'm glad you guys got to see that, you know. Yeah, um, shout out Param- to Jawbreaker. Right? Paramore played, you know, we talk about Paramore every week anyways. There wasn't a big story to come out of it other than everyone yeah. had a good time. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, let's move on. It's awesome we have a UK listener. Absolutely. In, by the way. Love that we have crossed the Atlantic. That's great to know. Um, let's move on to our next listener question. This is Mitchell who writes into note to scene at gmail.com. Mitchell says, what album and or song got you into the scene? Um, This is a pretty simple question, but I like it. It was really tough for me to think about this because I had to go way back, man. Like, (laughs) this this was very challenging. And um, assuming he meant first scene song. Mm -hmm. And um, I tried to think, like, what's the first scene song I heard? And I I couldn't find one. So I narrowed it down. Ohio is for Lovers by Hawthorne Heights. Cute, Cute Without the E by Taking Back Sunday. Ever So Sweet by the Early November, Punk Rock Princess by Something Corporate, and Taste of Ink by The Used. Any of those could have been ground zero for me. I'm not sure. But those (laughs) are the first ones that come to memory. Um, As far as the albums that got me in the scene, the first real full album that I was like, I need every bit of it was Panic at the Disco's A Fever You Can't Sweat Out. That was the one where I just like that was the album that got me in to seeing albums, you know, before I had mostly cared about singles. And that was the one where I was like, wow, you know, that album is such a classic now. And we look back on it and it was just like every song, you know, lying. Absolutely. The only difference between um, I Write Sins, It's Time to Dance. It was just such a great album. And so that would be the album, I'd say, that really cemented me in this scene. How about you, Tyler? Yeah, so mine sticks out like a sore thumb, man. And it's not technically a scene 
quote-unquote album, but it definitely was my gateway, and it was Green Day's American Idiot. Um, I was in fourth grade. I heard I was, you know, at my parents' house. I was just sitting in the living room one night, and for whatever reason, I don't know why, because none of my other family members that lived at the house, like, cared about the Grammys or alternative music or anything, but... For whatever reason, the 2005 Grammys were on that night, and I heard them play the title track on there, and I was just like, I remember <laughs> asking my mom what, like, what was it, like, what was going on, because I didn't know anything about music at the time, and uh, honestly, like, it changed my life. Emo Billy Joe, whatever you want, you know, whatever you want to say about the dark hair and the eyeliner, but that's just what I call that era. It was he was like an icon to me, man. Like I yeah, man. tried to dress like that when I started going to school, like in middle school and stuff. And after that, you know, I got into the rejects, move along, then a fallout mm-hmm. boy, my chemical romance, panic, and then alongside of those I got a friend introduced me to Under Oath and then it was all over from there. But uh So would you say Fallout Boy more was your first scene scene you know, I emphasize the word scene? band that you heard um because like i think like i heard blink you know and i heard green day as well you know long before i ever heard scene music specifically i but i guess if, if we're talking on your terms for me it would have been blink okay we're gonna go with like just first punk in general sort of see, thing yeah see it's weird because i didn't have like I, I had dial-up internet at home i didn't have access to any of this stuff unless i bought the cd so i bought a green day's american idiot and the All American Rejects move along, and then I got to find the Great Line. So, okay. if you want to, if you want to get technical, I'd like to say find, Under Oath, then. I would say Under Oath. Yeah, technically, <laughs> that is a wild jump, man, from the Rejects to Under Oath. It was ridiculous, man. I remember sitting. I was at my friend's uh, house. I think I was in fifth grade, and his older brother got to find the day it came out, and we just sat in his room and listened to the album front to back. And I was just like. My mind was absolutely blown. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. (laughs) Shouts to your cerebral cortex for handling that transition, (laughs) because it's amazing you're still with us here today after going from the rejects to under oath. But uh, we we thank everyone for writing in this week to note to cnjimbo.com. If you ever have any questions, send them in, and we will love to talk about them on the show. But Tyler, we got to move on, and we got to talk about our lead story this week. Yeah, we got to go. Asking Alexandria are back. They announced their fifth album, Into the Fire, slated for release in December. And they released the lead single of the same name. This is a big deal. This is something Tyler and I have been talking about for a really long time. And uh, we've we've fought about it. We've agreed (laughs) about it. We've laughed about it. We've cried about it. We've been frustrated about it. We've screamed about it. But it's finally here. So I guess we should start with the song, Into the Fire. Tyler, what are your thoughts on their first single? So first off, do we know that the album's called Into the Fire? I think it is. As far as I knew, it wasn't titled yet. And all we knew is that it was coming out on December 15th. I think I got this information from Rock Sound, so take it with a grain of salt. You know what I'm I'm saying? Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the song, Into the Fire... It's not terrible, but it's not good enough, man. They they really <laughs> tried to pull a Bring Me the Horizon here, like a, a, a sonic shift in sound and pull the big anthemic sound that Bring Me did. They just didn't pull it off to the caliber that Bring Me did on That's the Spirit. Like, this chorus, it, it needs more substance than just being massive. Like, it, it, when you listen to this chorus and you're in the middle of it, you're just like okay, this is huge, but, like, I'm not retaining anything. There's just something that's, there's there's a spark that's missing in there. Sorry to cut in, Tyler, but you are right, by the way. Uh, The album is yet to be titled. Um, Sorry, Rock Sound, for putting you on blast. They wrote it right. It was just weird, and I read it wrong. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Rock Sound, you're off the hook for now. Go ahead. But uh, the bridge is probably the most fun part of the song but it's more of like them teasing us like look what you could have had you know look what we could have been it just kind of bums me out because this is the most attention asking will get for this entire campaign is this song as we've seen you know like the video has over 1.2 million views and what what is it like four days now and depending on where like you go to the youtube video and you look in the comments and the top comments are praising it you know there's a lot of it but if you go on the metalcore subreddit 
There's there's not a lot of praise to be found on there. This was their big moment, and I don't feel like they delivered enough. But where are you at with it, Matt? I couldn't disagree with you more, Tyler Sharp. Um, I think this is exactly the song Asking Alexandria should make in 2017. You're um, nuts. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm a little nuts, but it was so much better than I was expecting. And like you say about the Metacore subreddit, like, of course, they're going to be pissed off about this. Sure. And that was kind of like what I was thinking was like, we were going to get that Metalcore back to the roots asking Alexandria. But now that I've heard this song, I kind of realized like, I don't think that's what I want. Like, Metalcore is dying. And I kind of like, I like this move for the band. I like this sound. Like, what I hear is it kind of continues... It's kind of um, continuing what they did on the black with Dennis. Um, That's but there's for so, sure. There's sort of uh, they're taking that black sound and just kind of moving forward with it with Danny, which to me the black was just kind of like a bring me the horizon rip sort of in a way, and they're bringing like you said those bring me the horizon elements along with them, making this more sort of stylistic music, and it's like. They're the more cock rock side of the scale of Bring Me the Horizon. <laughs> you know, they're more like um, Happy Song Bring Me than Drown Bring Me. And even further to the right of Happy Song. But and so it's like cock rocky, but it's like got this classicist like sheen and gloss over the rockness of it that I think comes from the fact that they're just really good songwriters. And like with Danny sort of back and grooving with them they're able to make quality music again but um man dude i just like that rock radio chorus it's thundering it's like a perfect like five finger death punch kind of chorus and i think it's gonna hit really well at radio um that guitar key sync riff is epic man dude that's gonna be iconic like just that buzzsaw riffing sync i don't even know what they're doing what is that it sounds great like what are your thoughts on that just specifically you are overstating it way it's too epic. much it, it is, is like not epic, that special man. Dude, man. It, just, it, it feels like the fucking sky is falling when that is playing uh, i love it and um you pointed out the video has over a million youtube views already that's really fucking impressive dude when we compare to some of these other bands we've been talking about like they got to a million really fast but this is um, danny's big return like it should true. have gotten this fast no matter what true. it sounds but like. also Considering I, I checked the likes, 72,000 likes and I only 2,000 dislikes. Like, it's getting a positive response. Um, I also, like, really liked the video. The black and white video, like, had a really <laughs> interesting color palette and it just made it so intense. It made the song feel that much more intense. Like, I thought this video really added to it. It was just, like, shot really artistically well. You got the wind blowing, Danny killing people. Um, <laughs> you didn't yeah. think it was too much of a Sin City Rip off. Oh, I really, I really liked it. I thought it was a good look for the band. I they just looked kind of. They looked, they looked was, fresh. It was like kind of cheesy, you know, Danny yeah. coming in and killing off the band because it's like almost narc- too narcissistic yeah, yeah. in a way for me because it's like he's he, the... he realized that when he left the band, like asking Alexander is, mm. was dead without him. Yeah, the storyline may be a little cheesy. I just I really like the aesthetics and I really like the imaging and I really like the color palette. I just thought it was shot really gorgeously with the band standing on those platforms and the wind blowing and just the sort of blackness overall through it. I thought it just looked really great. And uh, it, it kind of uh, enhanced the song for me, which, you know, videos don't always do that. For sure. Definitely not for me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the video? I, I, I'm just not a fan of music videos in general. And uh, I had I listened to this song way more times before I ever even watched the video, but I thought the video was okay. Like I said, it's a little too cheesy for me. I think it was Danny's just asserting his dominance back, and I don't think he delivered enough to to be able to claim that much dominance. I I, I was expecting better, and I'm all for sonic changes. Like, I didn't want Metalcore asking Alexandria. I wanted this big, you know anthemic rock band and this chorus is so big that i just get lost in it i'm just like <laughs> is this over yet did it, did, it is a did, big chorus did you like that the breakdown you know and the bridge like that feels like a different song to me the screaming yeah 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Wait, hey, uh, shouts to the uh, radio edit of this song, too, by the way, where they cut out the entire screaming breakdown. Really? Yeah, oh, there's a real radio that. edit. Isn't that hilarious? I did not yeah. hear that. That's oh, yeah, they're not sending. They're not sending this shit to radio with all those screams. You I, know was, I was about to say, like, there's no way that yeah. gets sent to radio. That, I, that, that was a little fan service, I think. Like, just to show, hey, you know, we're still going to scream a little. We're asking. Even though, like, we know Danny can't really scream that good anymore. He notoriously blew out his voice. Um, Dude, I don't, like, go back and watch the videos of their fall tour last year when he came back. Like, he was spitting some shit shit man like it was huh? good in those videos like he had some franz moments maybe that was like a one time i, I maybe that was all he had left yeah maybe like he had enough reprieve and then he yeah. came back <laughs> full swing and then he's like yeah i can't do this anymore <laughs> <laughs> after like a year of singing in harlot you know and that'll then, give that'll give your voice a rest yeah for sure singing and the I, most boring music on the planet earth it wasn't so, enough for me man it's so funny because it was exactly what i wanted and I feel I, I feel charged up and excited about this band again. Um, do you think it's going to have radio success? No. I think there are better songs that have come from the scene this year that have gotten minimal radio success at rock radio. <laughs> and uh, th- there's just no way this sticks. I don't think so at all. I mean, it ultimately depends how much money Sumerian's going to p- put into it to to push it on the stations but i uh i don't think i'll be surprised if it gets inside the top 20 yeah so here's the thing that sumerian is the big question mark here because you got to wonder how focused they're going to be on fucking american satan and you know all the other bullshit ash gets involved in doesn't want to run a record label anymore man but i i I, I, I this rollout looks so smooth to me that i feel like um it might work and they know that this band is their cash cow so well, Sumerian got I Won't Give In to number 15 on rock radio. So without Danny, you know, that's pretty impressive. So and I think this song is better than I Won't Give In. I think it, that riff is so epic. It's just going to ride on rock radio. I see this as having potential to do good on radio for the band, which is the lane I think they need to be in right now. I mean, this is a much fucking better song than I Prevails alone. And, you know, they're in the top five every week. God. I think the song, I think this could be like kind of how Bring Me like had a big moment of radio with Happy Song. This could be or yeah, this could be where they slide into that lane. I mean, I would love to see a successful, you know, rock radio asking Alexandria. Uh, If it does happen with this song, I'll be slightly disappointed because I don't (laughs) think it's good enough to do it. Um, But I just wish we had more. I want something fast-paced from Asking Alexandria, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I want some banger I can drive around to you. This is like what you fucking sit on your porch and drink whiskey to. Like, I don't, dude, I don't know, man. Dude, that, riff goes, <laughs> that riff goes sky high. This is like, before you go box somebody, you listen to this. This gets me pumped, man. It makes me want to work out. It's I don't like so out. long and drawn out, though. Like, like I run. I, I jog throughout yeah. the week and i there's no way i could ever run to this song yeah i'd Dude, be like trying to right, skip to down the road man about it you wanting something <laughs> faster pace they did think about back to reckless and uh relentless they did lead that with anyone anywhere as the single this was is it, way heavier and harder than anyone anywhere was it uh and someone, reckless and relentless. someone somewhere that's what it oh was yeah called. someone yeah, what, yeah. what you were throwing what? me way yeah. off man <laughs> I was like, wait, what song yeah. was that? <laughs> Someone, somewhere, they led Reckless and Relentless so, with that. And that turned out to be a fucking great album. And this song's way heavier and faster than that. So That's hilarious because I, that I brought that up to Brian Storm this week when we were talking about this song. He loves this song. And uh, I was like, they needed to really, if they were going to do a ballad, they should have done someone somewhere. Like, this isn't a ballad, man. This is a hard rock song with screams in it. This is and like a mid-ballad. This is a middle this ground ballad, ballad, man. This is not even in the conver- This is not even in that conversation <laughs> of a ballad, man. How many times you listen to this song? Isolate Danny's vocals and, How many and, and get back to me. This song? Maybe like 10 to 15. Oh my god! Okay, all right. You put in work. Um, if that's what you think, but man, dude, this is this is a huge song. Like it, it's got like a five finger death punch chorus. It's got a bring me the horizon riff. It's got some screams. 
It's got Danny's little verses. It's it's a rock song. It's a hard hitting rock song. When are you gonna listen to this song? Every day. <laughs> Every, day. <laughs> Every day for the next w- week. When week. is the general rock radio demographic gonna listen to this song? Like like when they hop in their jeeps and trucks coming home from work. Well, the, this isn't what you want to listen to. I think it kind of is, man. I mean, like okay, so if I won't give in had mild rock radio success. I mean. This, this at least has a shot in your mind, right? I mean, this is they're very, you know, similar sort of songs in a way. Sure. And I think this one's more interesting. I won't give in. I like that song a lot, but it's a little flat. This one, it moves. Uh, I don't think this moves at all. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of fluctuates in this vast open area and just kind of bounces around very slowly. Kind of like when your TV goes to sleep and the insignia bounces around on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I compare this song to. <laughs> so I, I'm hoping for more. I still have hopes. I don't know why I have hopes for more new Asking Alexandria. If, if yeah. you're wondering Dude, why, yeah. just go back and listen to episodes throughout the spring and winter that we did. We were the Asking Alexandria podcast for a while. Just we what the fuck this band was doing. But I'm glad to see they got it all together now and the rollout is happening. But man, you got me back like forgot you texted me like a week ago you got me back on some stand up and scream shit man dude when we were talking about a prophecy man that riff that album man i just like went back and revisited it it's a perfect album you go like prophecy average american two horses final episode candlelit dinner cowboy king like dude the whole album jams front to back front to back it was such a moment. Like, to think that came out in 2009 and those riffs are so melodic, man. Like, if, you know, death metal, if, like, 90s death metal fans can get over the aesthetic around that album and, and the tight pants and the hair and the straightened hair, they'd love that album, man. Like, sure, it's overproduced, but those riffs rip, man. I liked, the, like, the overproducedness was part of the charm at the time. Sure. You know, just... the Danny's cleans had that sort of like glitchiness to them at times. It was just fucking right on. Absolutely. And ben, dude, oh my God. Ben's cleans and A Prophecy had me going this week, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was it, it's definite throwback for sure. Yeah. The screams at the beginning of Candlelit, too, are just, they're just absurd to the point of absurdity. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, I just love that about I used to remember like my girlfriend back in late high school or whatever when I would play this, and she was just like, what? even is this when that song would start and he's just <laughs> yep. doing that growl <laughs> yeah. that fast growl for no it's like it's so it's so absurd but you love it you know i was literally um, in a band and i showed the rest of the members that song and i was like we need to have an intro just like this <laughs> <laughs> key to success yeah so then reckless and relentless i mean perfect follow-up Some i think of my favorites, that like was probably reckless dear insanity closure I like so many songs on that album. It's 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 insane, you know. I it was mean, such a fun follow. The title track when Danny's screaming, "I am rock and roll." Like right. that, I think that was probably the most innovative modern metalcore kind of ever got. Like it was metalcore's perfect crossover into rock music. I think like sure. it, you know, it's to me, it feels like a rock album, but it is so metal. You know, it's so but, like, heavy, and really... it still has all those electronic moments, like in yeah. Breathless and Enclosure. God. Love that album. You know, and it just comes back to, like, why I like this song. I just think they're good songwriters. Like, they still have it. And I think uh, it's giving me a little more faith. But uh, I'd love to hear Ben on some cleans. Don't don't shove my guy to the background, Danny. Just because you're back, you know, you have other tools. You don't have to be front and center all the time, you ass. So where are you at in the song, Tyler? What is your score? I am at around a 6.5. Okay. Okay, now a disaster. I can take that, you know. There, there's um, redeemable points for sure. But overall, I'm bouncing around on a TV screen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was at a seven point nine earlier, and I just said, "Fuck it," I kicked it up to an eight. I'm at an eight point wow. Wow. Did you <laughs> did you expect to give the new asking song an eight earlier this year when we were talking about this? <laughs> Dude, I'm as shocked as you right now, man. Like this is the I had the least amount of faith in this yep. one of everything. Like this scene is just you never know, you know, you what you're gonna like. Know, and, man. You know, like dude, like go back to Paris, like how stoked you were on Paris and Don't remind where me where you ended man. up with Paris, you know. Don't like, remind me. 
how we we've been you know how down i was on california and then how that became one of my favorite albums like it's just you never know like what you're gonna like and what you're not gonna like um i really had no faith i had zero faith maybe that's why i like it so much because my expectations were so low i mean we're talking about danny warsnop like i saw this guy walk by me half passed out like a zombie i don't have much faith in him and somehow he delivered for me here but okay so let's Let's talk uh, charts really quickly because I think the commercial aspect of the band is kind of interesting. So, Reckless and Relentless did 31,000 first week. Mm-hmm. Death to Destiny, even though that was a bad album, did 41,000 first week, their highest sales debut. Um, the Black Without Danny did 28,000 first week. So, now that Danny is back, and given what you've heard, we're, we're way early here, but like, what are you thinking this album's going to sell? Oh, I think it's really difficult to say this early because now that we've had this song and we know it's not going to be a metalcore throwback, we just don't know what kind of momentum it'll get before the album drops. And they have a while before it drops to get that momentum really going. So I'm for now... I'm going to stick with what I said the moment Danny joined the band. And I said, if if Dennis was going to stay in the band for another album, there's no way they were going to do more than 28,000. They were going to okay. drop to 25, you know, 25, okay. between 20 and 25. But now that Danny's back, I'm still going to say they're going to see an increase. and it, But it's not going to be massive. I'm saying you know, between 30 and 32,000 first week. Huh. Okay. Interesting. I had a prop mind. I had a prop bet in mind for us, which would be the over under on thirty thousand. Because I was oh. thinking, you were, I was thinking you were gonna think they do under thirty, and I, I'm thinking they're gonna do over thirty. But um, yeah, so I'm probably around where you are. I think they're gonna okay. do around thirty. You know, I think they're gonna see an increase from Danny coming back for sure. I yeah, it's it's just so difficult to say now. Do you know if pre-orders are up? I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think so. I didn't see it in any articles. and I Can you put... Think, I don't think you can put pre-orders up when the title isn't even announced yet. Well, I think this is a mistake. <laughs> I mean, just think, like, over a million people have clicked on that YouTube video. Just imagine mm-hmm. if there was a pre-order link in the description, you know? Yeah. Like, they, they could have already sold, like, 10,000 copies. <laughs> they gotta build the hype, but, um... We got to move on, Tyler, and uh, we got to talk about our next story. A Day to Remember released a new video for We Got This. Um, This is the next single from Bad Vibrations following uh, Paranoia, which did really well. Naivety. I can't say that. That's how he uh, says it in the song, but it's pronounced naivety. Naivety. Okay. And Bullfight had some radio success. So this is the next single they're pushing. And... um, I think it's a low point of their career. Like, I, I don't think this is a good song. What do you think, Tyler? That's hilarious. I think it's a fun song. And, like, this was this was one of the few that wasn't a single off the album when it was being pushed that I went back to and I listened to. Like, it's nothing special, but it's yeah. fun. It has a catchy melody. Um, it, it is one of the few fun-ish songs on Bad Vibrations, yeah, but it just it, feels so, like, discount bargain bin a day to remember <laughs> like you know like it's nothing compared to common courtesy for or, sure you know for what sure. separates me from you absolutely and yeah it is it's, 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 it's kind of like a, a dollar general a day to remember but i'll take that over some of those just drawn out heavy for the sake of being heavy bad moments on mm. bad vibrations but uh so the the atmosphere surrounding this video it's kind of interesting we haven't really talked about a day to remember at all in this podcast you know we started no, they've, back they've, in january dude, like they've been ghosting us fam like and where are they they've you know they've been on the road they've uh, they did some shows with avenge sevenfold or maybe they're doing some shows with avenge sevenfold i don't know if that happened already um they did like a head they announced a headlining tour with wage war and uh moose blood but other oh, yeah, than that, that happened. right yeah. but other than that you know this is kind of the first piece of content that we've been able to talk about it from a day to remember on the show and uh i think that's interesting because i think they're gearing up for next year i think 2018 is going to be a big moment for a day to remember where we see will they sign with the label mm-hmm. will it be a major 
will the first week see an increase or a decrease or will they just stay stagnant? You know, like this next album cycle for a day to remember is going to be a really big deal. They did just win the lawsuit too, you know, so oh, they are sure. so like, they're set up in a much better position. Um, yeah, it's like like you said, they, um, you know, they were they've mostly what they've been doing is chasing rock radio. So I think that's kind of why we haven't been hearing from them. You know, they're not really participating too much in the scene. Like they're just, you know, pushing paranoia to radio. They're pushing bullfight to radio. They're touring with a radio band, like Avenged Sevenfold. It seems like they've kind of been absentees from the scene. Yeah. Hoping to see them back though, you know, cause like they're the biggest scene band or, you know, if you go back and listen to our podcast where we ranked the biggest scene bands at the start of the year, a day to remember we're number one. Um, that might have changed at this point, um, but uh, we won't know until we do our next edition of that episode. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see what this next album does for a day to remember. Are they gonna? Are they gonna see? Are they gonna make music good enough to see an increase like Bring Me did, or are they gonna do it bad and see a decrease like All Time Low did and do Whoa. and do thirty thousand first week? The thing is, bad vibes was already a decrease from common courtesy. Oh, for sure. Um, so that's, you know, that was upsetting to see. Um, but I think they're kind yeah. of playing it right. Like, it's not like we're, they're being active outside of the scene either. Mm-hmm. They're kind of silently pushing these songs to radio and one or two of them having mild success at like 19, 18, yeah. 20. But other than that, they're just not Her- being active. Her- Paranoia did really well, it's worth pointing out. That one um, crushed it. But the other ones, like Bullfight, have only had mild success. As far as 2017 goes, yeah. Do you think Bad Vibes, though, is going to run, is going to like rub OG A Day to Remember fans the wrong way? Like, do you think they're going to lose some core fans from over this album? Because it's not really geared at them, you know? Not at all. It's very abrasive. It's really heavy, you know? Like, people who found them off of Homesick, and especially if if you found them off of What Separates Me From You, you're probably not going to like this album. It Um, sounds to me like the album they made to appeal to Avenged Sevenfold fans. You know what I mean? That's what this sounds like to me. And we've had that conversation on the show way back when, but... uh, I just wonder if that's going to damage them, you know, in the future. I don't as far think as so. Their stature goes. I don't think it was that alienating of an album. I just don't think it was that special of an album. Um, right. The songs were just kind of, they were exciting because they were heavy at first, and then once the whole album came out, it was just like all muddled together. So, I think if a day to remember can make a banger, I think the fans will ride for it and they'll reinvigorate that fan base. All right, um, let's move on. Let's talk about our next story, which is We Came As Romans. They released uh, a second single called Lost In The Moment from their upcoming fifth album, Cold Like War. Did you have a chance to hear the song, Tyler Sharp? I did. And there's nothing new here, but <laughs> but the uh, if you separate the song itself from everything surrounding it, like the band's past and all of the scenes past... It's solid. Kyle, he nails that chorus. Uh, and it's cool to see him back on keys and doing some programming, as we saw in the music video. So it kind mm-hmm. of, you know, there was old school weak car vibes from there. I don't like Dave's cleans. He, he's got to stop that. His screams, <laughs> like like his, his screams normally stop, Dave. sound way too monotone. Like like his his average scream level has increased from when the band mm. started and he's just kind of yelling now and it it, it just doesn't sound Stop, as Dave. good so but we I'm do gonna tell, get... i'm gonna tell you a, a really funny story about dave when we get off the air okay okay <laughs> but we do get uh some of his lows in the bridge for a second which sound mm-hmm. exactly like old school we car and i was like that moment i'm like I'm listening to, to plant a seed and everything is right in the world. And then we get back and it's whatever. So overall, I do like this better than the last single, but it's still not as good as old school. We came as Romans. I'm at like a 7.5 ish. What about you, Matt? Seven and a half out of 10. That's, that's really good. I'm I've, surprised. I like, I listened to this song quite a few times just because I liked it. Okay. 
Um, first off, terrible, terrible music video. Like, dude, pour <laughs> one out for this band's budget, man. Their budget is gone. You think that Sharp video Tone has any money, man? Dude, that video is like a, you know, like a in vogue band, like that <laughs> just got signed, you know, in 2012 or something. Like, holy shit, man! Like the first video, I thought, you know. I didn't say anything when I saw them in a metalcore warehouse, you know, in the first video back. Like I was like, I'm gonna let it slide for the for the for the boys, you know. But uh, oh this one God. was just really fucking bad, dude. I was laughable. I mean, I I can't believe they put that video out. Like I'd be ashamed. Um, I didn't even pay attention to the music video. You, so yeah, they, they, they would have been better off doing a live video. It That's is hilarious. so just like low budget core. Like it's terrible. But um, the song. I'm just so over Weak Heart at this point that I don't care, but I think um, this is going to satisfy We Came As Romans fans. Yes. Um, I think it's a decent chorus. It is, at its core, a solid Weak Heart song, and it's a good one, I think, for them to make at this stage in their career. And I think they're going to bring their core fans along with them. Um, I am at a 6.5 out of 10. Okay, fair enough. Anything else you got to hit on Weak Heart, Tyler I don't Sharp? I think so. They're going to see a sales drop no matter what. Sharp Tone can't pull this shit off. I, I agree with you. I think they are going to see a sales drop. What? Uh, where do you see them coming in at? Didn't we talk about this um, last episode? I can't remember. I feel lives, like we did. You live sales, man. It's all we talk about. I know. <laughs> and I can't remember what we talked about on the show and what we talked about off well, the show. Well, the last the last album did uh, twenty three thousand. Twenty three thousand. Right? Yeah, we did talk about this okay. on the show. I have them I was, coming in I was, at eighteen thousand. Yeah, and that's, I said, that's what I'm guessing. I said they were going to do fifteen. They'd be lucky okay. to do 15. Oh, they'd be lucky. They'd be lucky. So, okay, I, but right, I'm going to stay around 15 for now. Okay. So you, 0.5 out of 10. I'm surprised you like it that much. I mean, that's a good that's a good rating. It was. It's just a fun song. If you're if you're a fan of We Came as Romans, this is a fun song. But it doesn't matter because they're on Sharp Tone. I, I'm I'm proud of you, Tyler Sharp, for finding <laughs> some some love in We Car at this stage in their career. All right. Um, let's move on to our next story, which is going to be a fun one. Oh um, my God. Sleeping with Sirens, their fifth album, Gossip, is out now. Um, we also got a new Legends video. So, Tyler, now that you've heard the entire album, Gossip, what are your thoughts on Gossip? As expected, it is <laughs> terrible. There is just no substance to any of these songs. Every one of them is forgettable. They all just meld together into this heaping pile of garbage and there is there's no sleeping with sirens magic on it at all this is basically a different band than <laughs> the one that the scene knows at this point you know like they have been on the downslope since Jesse Lawson left and mm-hmm. anyone who knows the band was like the, he, Jesse was he he wrote a good majority of those early songs mm-hmm. And He's doing made, like some like solo country shit now, I think. There is if some, you're interested in that, you can go check it out. I will say, and I can't confirm if this ever happened or anything, but I saw a tweet in like 2015, and I think it had he hit up like some drop dead gorgeous members, and they were like, "Let's make some music." Mm-hmm. So that never materialized in, into anything public, but for a second, I was very excited. And I like I got, that sourcing there, Tyler Sharp. I saw a tweet. That's some good sourcing. That's some old school journalism right there. I like it. You know, throwing it back. But uh, Jesse's not there. This is still the Kellen show. I mean, if it wasn't for Kellen, this would be a different band. Nick Martin <laughs> has to be walking around with a bag over his head now that this album is out. Like, just... I think, yeah, I think Nick Martin likes paying his rent and uh, paying his car payment, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think so either, but it's going to run out because he made shitty music and he was a part of it and he permeated all of this. And I just hoped that David Bendith would make something happen for them. Like, think of how many bangers that dude has helped create. From Paramore to Breaking Benjamin, that dude has done it all. And he took Sleeping With Sirens and just ruined them. I just don't think Bendith's strength is with a vocalist like Kellen. I think he can he can make bangers with Breaking Benjamin, you know, and bands like that. But I, what about I, Paramore? 
it's a, it's a different kind of vocalist, you know. That's uh, working with a female vocalist compared to a guy who sounds like a girl. You know, it's a very different <laughs> thing. They're, they're trying to put a guy who sound with you know with a very boyish voice into these very David Bendith rock songs. That's but a I, tricky thing. I don't. Oh God. I don't even think these songs sound like David Bendith songs. These songs sound like shit. You got to run through the David Bendith cock rock discography. Okay, maybe I haven't gone. He's deep done enough. some Fair of enough. that. He's done all some. He's done some. Uh, you know, Theory of a Dead Man stuff. You know, he's done a lot, a few, few of that. But this isn't even like cock rock. This is. There's something about it that sounds different than Theory of a Dead Man. If you get if you get Chad Kroger or the Three Days Grace vocalist saying, "Hey, let's cheers to this," it 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 sounds like one of those songs. Uh, okay. Regardless, we got bad bad music on this album. <laughs> no matter what which way you want to paint it, no matter how you want to make it look, this is genuinely bad music and we're gonna see a sales decrease and I would not be surprised if Sleeping With Sirens gets dropped from Warner Brothers after this. So for me, I approached this album in a different way than I usually do. Like I are after hearing how many singles did we hear? Like five. There, I kind more than half the album. <laughs> yeah, I kind of already knew I was gonna hate it, so I went in with the mindset I'm gonna try to find some redeeming moments. That was my mission. So one man army, EDM pop vibey synth. Um, I think the castle falling chorus is a little catchy. Um, I think they were just holding back a little too much, though. Um, Closer was kind of like a soulful, almost like alt-country track that I found semi-enjoyable. And The Chase has a post-hardcore riff in it, which is a good thing. Um, I think uh, we're talking about riffs here, people. (laughs) Like, I found one little good riff in one song so that was the the only song i was gonna bring up (laughs) yeah so i found a good riff in the chase i think one man army had potential i think closer is mildly enjoyable but you know other than that the album is is hot garbage like um you know there's a charm to it like i like kellen's douchiness on cheers even though i don't like the song i just think there's a charm to kellen's douchiness and it's fun to see but like it's so bad man like dude like the the title track of this album sounds like it would have been a really sick kelly clarkson song and that's not that's not a diss to kelly clarkson like if she took that song over it could have been a good song but it just sounds like hot garbage here um the final like four songs this album fall apart so spectacularly it's almost unbelievable war is embarrassingly bad um and what i took away from the album is it gave me like a new appreciation for legends because that's not that bad of a song compared to all of these dude like that song is okay like i kind of got stuck in my head again today i'm like okay this album is so bad that legends like we were complaining but it really wasn't that bad compared to all this man it is really cute that you try to defend some of these songs, man. <laughs> I, 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 I found, I found uh, potential in one. I found one that's okay, and I found one riff I like. And then Legends, I think, is a is a is a is a decent song. I mean, I commend you. I commend you for for making the attempt to find something salvageable from this pile of garbage. I couldn't. I couldn't, and I try. I genuinely tried to put all, you know, past Sleeping With Siren biases aside and act like I was listening to this band for the first time, and I realized that I would absolutely hate all of these songs and think that they are not good songs, regardless of what band name you put on them. So that is where so I'm at. you didn't find anything redeemable? Not even the the post-hardcore riff and and the chase. It got me me excited for a split second. And I was like, are we going to... You literally, nothing. I mean, you don't don't even like Legends, right? No. God, no. God, I cannot believe the fact that you are questioning the the shittiness of that song. Dude. Makes me question our friendship. When you stack it up next to some (laughs) of these songs, bro, like, Legends looks nice. Like, Legends looks like... It's in a mode, like compared to some of this shit, man. Like, I don't. Maybe think... it's you know, it's it's a it's a a big fish in a small pond kind of thing. But like, Legends is a good song compared to the rest of this. 
I don't think bad songs can be made better by putting them up against worse songs. If you gotta take one song off this album and live and live with it for the rest of your life, you're taking Legends. I'm taking don't even Silence, bolt. man. Like <laughs> you're taking Legends. If you have to take one, you're taking Legends. You know you are. I'm gonna take the first five seconds of that riff <laughs> and just up. loop it. The whole song that comes with the whole song. No. So it's pretty bad album. Absolute um, garbage. What? Uh, what's your score? I am at a three. Ooh, I give it a four and a half out of ten. Ugh, absolutely. You're, you're bad. I gave it a four and four and a half is a bad rating, fam. I am. That's mad. a bad rating. I am mad. You were that you're gracious mad I'm not to this giving it, pile of. I shit. gave it a forty-five percent. Like this is this is worse than than the worst, man. Like, that, this is, a four and a half out of ten is a very bad is, rating. This is worse than the saturation point of Genericore, man. Let's like, just remember the moment Tyler was mad at me that I gave a four and a half out of ten. <laughs> it wasn't enough. I didn't hurt him enough. You need to go for the throat on this band, man, because if that's they... That's the throat. And a four, like a four, that's the throat, you know? No, a, no, not enough. Five? Ben gets a five and their career is over. A four is like, that's a fucking knife to the gut. Yeah, but they're, they're still crawling. Three, I don't even know what a three is, man. Like that, you just like, you know, you buried them. It's time. It is time <laughs> to bury this band. <laughs> oh. Um, oh, yeah. Let's do uh, first week sales predictions. So, Holy shit. What did Mad- Madness do? Madness did 35,000 first week, and that was a big drop from Feel, which did 60,000 first week. So, given everything we know and we've seen, major label, bad album, interesting combination. Where do you see this? Where do you see this one coming in at, Tyler? Interesting combination, but not unique by any stretch of the imagination. Good I point. am at 20,000. Okay, I'm at 25,000. Okay. There, there's a little bit of a gap there. I will be so surprised if they do 25,000. That that will show how large their their diehard fan base is. My thought was my thought was in anywhere from 22 to 28, so I went with 25. That felt safe to me. Okay, let's move on though and let's hit our next story, which is Linkin Park. Um Linkin Park announced a tribute show for late singer Chester Bennington. It's going to be played at the Hollywood Bowl. This is like the biggest deal ever. It sold out in like an hour, the whole thing. You can't even go anymore. And they're going to have a bunch of musicians filling in for all of Chester's parts during the concert, which is really cool. Um, Some of the people performing are Ollie Sykes from Bring Me the Horizon, uh, Blink-182, Avenged Sevenfold's M Shadows, MGK, um, Kiara, who did the duet with Chester on the song Heavy, which was their biggest single of the year. Um, Yellow Cards, Ryan Key somehow got on the list. Jonathan Davis from Korn is doing it. Um, a lot of really good musicians are on board for this. Especially cool to see Ali Sykes doing it. Absolutely, man. I was super surprised right off the bat when I, when I, because I saw Ali's tweet. That was the first thing I saw regarding any of this. Um, and I was just under the assumption from there on out that it was going to be like Mitch Lucker's benefit show where they just had a different vocalist for each song, but there's not enough vocalists here to do it for every song. So there's going to be multiple people, you know, Ollie's, I'm guessing Ollie is going to do like three songs if I had to guess. And, uh, you know, they got multiple members of System of a Down. I was so surprised by how much scene influence we got here man we got ollie yeah. which isn't that far off you know the lincoln park comparisons were were heavy when oh they, yeah especially I mean, when they dropped throne when they made that yeah throne is a lincoln park total, a- absolutely like, it's but, a jack let's a- face it for i mean it's sure, a jack. for sure but blink 182 you know there's not even it's not just mark Hoppus, and i mean they're homies you know right, the blink the blink park thing absolutely. the blink park thing was gonna happen that was you know sort of the last tour Chester was going to go on before all this went down. But Machine Gun Kelly, I'm not sure where that came from. The rap rock thing, I can, that makes sense. You know, the rap rock thing, MGK is always kind of 
exploded in between those lanes. He makes sense for this, I think. The wannabe punk. Okay, I'll give him that. But let's just let's just talk about and take a step back. Where the hell did Ryan Key come from? Uh, I don't think it's even worth talking about, man. <laughs> like what? How the hell did he end up on this thing? I their paths had to have crossed during the Af- Ocean Avenue peak. Like that's the only thing that would make sense. So what I thought was interesting was um, each band tweeted that they were doing this this show and uh ali sykes got the most retweets out of anyone i got avenge kiara blink mgk ali sykes had the most hype i feel like he has the most following even if he isn't the largest artist out of this group i feel like he has the most following on twitter i'm kind of the most happy to see that kiara is going to be there not just because i i love kiara to death for as sure. a singer but just that that's really cool you know she did the heavy collaboration and yeah. it'll be interesting to see how they use her i hope they don't just use her for heavy you know get her around on some other stuff for um, sure. this is like uh i mean it's i just can't imagine how cool this is going to be especially in the hollywood bowl you know like it's really is going to be the show of a lifetime. I mean, it might be your last chance to see Lincoln Park. It might be. And, or it might be just your one chance to see something this interesting and cool. And that, that's what kind of, I got thinking and I was like, I don't think this is it, man. Like, I think, because they think about the band's position announcing this show. They're not worried about selling tickets. They know it's going to sell out. You know, it's the last Lincoln Park show. It's the tribute to Chester. I think they're holding some big shit back. That's going to be a total surprise. So you think they got a new vocalist? No, I think there are going to be other musicians that are way bigger than these musicians that are going to be there. Oh, you're just talking about this show in specific. Yeah, I think they're okay. holding I no. think they're holding a lot back. Like oh, I absolutely. They didn't have to worry about selling tickets, which, you know, if you want to sell tickets, you announce the big names up front, but they didn't have to worry about that. The show sold out in an hour. Absolutely. I think uh there's some big shit being hidden here. Like, I, mean, I think the, the Soundgarden guys, I think, are obviously going to be there. Yeah. And they didn't announce that yet, you know? And sure. I started thinking, and I'm like, I kind of got a feeling Jay-Z's going to show up. I and how sick would that be? I doubt it, man. I would not doubt it at all. Jay's been, he's been out there doing tributes to Chester, like, all year, which has surprised me. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't see a way Jay-Z doesn't show up to this thing, you know, given how much he collaborated with the band and how much respect he has for Chester. I think we're going to see Jay-Z at this thing. It's going to be the biggest deal. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised to see more even like stretchy scene people there, you know, like Sonny Moore might be there for Skrillex in in (laughs) some capacity, you know, like um, I think like we don't even know what songs these bands are going to be doing yet. So there's like there's there's a lot that's still going to be announced. So I'm just really interested to see what songs Ollie's done. Ollie does, you know, like what, what, like what songs do you think he should do? Hmm. I could see him doing like, I could see him doing Faint really well because yeah. Faint is Faint is kind of like thrown, you know. Right, he, exactly. He could, he could glide into that song really good for um, sure. Not, not some of their slower ones. Um, you think maybe he could do like one step closer for sure. I, I could would... hear that old um, sort of uh, what uh, suicide season scream coming through really well on one step closer. For sure. I'd love to see him do bleed it out. <laughs> <laughs> you I hurt knew, me. I knew you were going to laugh. You know, at that. Hey, you know what though? Shadow of a day drown style Dude. doing it drown style. Th- th- that might, that might be lit. Like that might go off. That that might be a moment, man. If he uh, if he's doing Shadow of a Day in the style of you know his drawn vocals, that that might that could set off an arena, man. That could that could be heat. That could be hot. What do you think M Shadow's gonna do? What can he do at this fucking point with that voice? <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't know, man. Like, there's there's so many questions I have. Like, what are all of these System of a Down dudes gonna be doing? <laughs> I think, yeah, I don't think any of them are the singers, so probably right. just, you know, instrument help. You know, I could, it's obvious Jonathan Davis from Korn makes a lot of sense. He'll be able to fit in a lot of spaces, you know, throughout the band's discography. But, yeah, I think Ollie's just the most interesting part. And uh, For sure. There's just so many songs. Like, like, could you put them on In the End? Does that work? I don't I, I, I mean, maybe. Like, it all depends on what I, they're going to do. I think they to... should do In the End with Kiara on as the cleans you know shinoda should rap in the end and kiara should do the cleans that would work i think that'd be gorgeous but i think uh i it all depends on what help they're gonna give ollie 
And as yeah. unfortunate as that sounds, like go watch any bring me live video of the last like four years. Hey man, he, Ollie's bringing all his backing tracks with him. He's bringing <laughs> all the help. We gotta lip sync him. We well, gotta lip sync him. It's he's fine. He's backtracked. That means there's recorded versions of him to a Lincoln Park song. Yo, if you have that, note to scene at gmail.com. <laughs> Send it our way. We would love to hear it. I'm just saying, if they're gonna backtrack him, that means he's recorded along the Lincoln Park songs. And that would be amazing to hear. Bring me cover Lincoln Park. Oh, man. Could you imagine? I hope this whole thing is live streamed and everything because I it, don't see it, it will it, it will be, be a nice way to see Chester off. And like yeah. I said, I think this announcement, I think they're hiding a lot of shit. I think like you, you might even see Rihanna here. Like there are just so many big musicians who love this band that I think are going to show out and uh, it's going to be huge. You know, Anything else you have to add for Linkin Park, Tyler Sharp? I don't think so. I'm excited. All right. Well, that is it for the show this week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes or just a star rating. Hit that five star button and we will love you. Um, if you have any questions for the show, write in at note to scene at gmail.com. We will see you next week. Bye.